Hi, friends, and welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you love The Faithful Podcast, please leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Also, please check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, and his amazing music on iTunes. His latest album is called Love and War, and the songs are so powerful. For this episode of The Faithful Podcast, I am talking to Jenny Enright. This is part two of two, as I talk to her about a very unhealthy, possibly cultish church that she was a part of. If you've not listened to part one yet, you need to do so now so that you'll understand what we're talking about. As I said in our last conversation, our interview was very conversational, and since she's one of my closest friends, we did keep things lighthearted. Jenny and I have been through other difficult things together and have learned that laughter helps us to cope. So without any further delay, here is part two of my interview with Jenny Enright. So um, you mentioned that your family thought it was possibly cult-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me about some similarities you see in cults and the church that you were attending? Yeah, um, well, very authoritarian-type leadership. Um, really no tolerance for you know any criticism whatsoever, whether it's you know very positive, you know, just kind of any questions. Uh, basically, the pastor's always right. Now, um, one thing where they differ, though, they were not about money, though. Mm-hmm. They didn't uh, ever ask for money. This everything was free. It was grace giving that if you don't give under compulsion, the right. Lord puts it on your heart to give you give which they really were never in want for money. So the Holy Spirit, you know, that part they got right, I think. Um, But then also it was that never, uh, there's never a legitimate reason to leave, basically. If you leave, you're you're, um, wrong or there's something negative about you. I wouldn't say they said you were evil. It wasn't like some of these, you know, cults that you hear about. would but, that be like leaving for any any reason? Like even if if you like, would there be kind of I don't know? Would you look be da- looked down upon if you were to move away? Well, not if you moved away because they had other um, FXs as they call them, where you could go or you okay. could get you could still listen to tapes. I say that that dates me, but <laughs> um, you could. So as long as you were really still stuttering, studying under this person. Mm-hmm. So, but if you left as in quit studying this you know learning from this person then you were really looked down upon like you were in uh reversionism is one term that reversionism be, yes what is what is basically that you're like backsliding okay so you because, know because the only way to move forward is with is with yeah this pastor this, mm-hmm. and their teachings yes and um then another um sign of an unsafe church that, you know, I was looking some of these up like, okay, how many do these, does this church fit? And and another one was that there were articles and things about this person 
and people had similar grievances. And so if you were to hear these people out, it's like, oh, wow, they went through the same thing. We have that we experience the same type of thing here mm-hmm. and have the same grievances. And then also um, the group leader always being right, um, the ex- exclusivity of the truth, that they are the only ones with the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that any time also if the the leader was questioned or criticized, it was uh, kind of like you're you're in the wrong and they're you're just persecuting that that leader you're talking badly about even if it's a fact god's anointed yes yes i mean it (laughs) sounds like that's how they viewed him Mm -hmm. as he was the anointed one like he was to be esteemed and you know revered and i don't know never questioned that's Mm -hmm. that's that's a really scary yeah i mean if i was put in that position where people never questioned me I don't know if I would turn out like a really different kind of person too. That's, I don't know, that amount of control. It doesn't happen quickly and those heart changes don't either. Mm-mm. Yeah, red flags all over the place. Yeah. Um. So when you became aware that like, okay, I'm seeing these red flags, I'm seeing these things, my family has concern, um, what was your response? Well, um, I actually, after our wedding incident, I, I really was really ready to leave. Um, I think I was protected from some of the um, things I mentioned by not going to the actual church that often, but having our own group, which was a, a loving group. We, we still are friends with people there from there. Um, but after that, uh, that really bothered me, but I did still kind of think, oh, well, it must be me. It must be me. What am I doing wrong? You know, and, um, but I did hear my mom out and I think I, thankfully for me, it didn't last as long as it did for some other people that got really steeped in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, because I was semi removed by being at that FX, I think that helped. Um, but I did, uh, it did cause some problems. Like Dan and I weren't ready to leave at the same time. Mm. And um, it was, uh, I just, after the, like I said, after the incident of the wedding, I just thought, I, I in fact, I tore up the thank you note I was going to send to him <laughs> through the pastor. I tore up through it in the trash. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't sit I'd, I'd never wanted to go to the church and actually see him in person we mm-hmm. still did go and listen but that was i was finding any excuse not to like oh i have a hangnail i better yeah. stay home from church today you know mm-hmm. so um but anyway that it did kind of i know my parents were concerned but thankfully um thankfully we did get out of that eventually but i think it was 7 years that we went there Wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's a while to be like invested in people and invested in a group. Um, so tell me a little bit about you and Dan feeling kind of differently about the timeline or moving, moving, leaving the church. Well, and, and like I said, they would always, you know, the pastor had covered his bases. And, and so 
I was ready to leave. Dan really wasn't, and we would have some arguments because Dan admits to ha- being more prone to give him a pass mm-hmm. on things than I was. And not that I don't can't be a forgiving person. Everybody messes up. These were huge things, and I felt like I just saw the writing on the wall. And uh, but I, you know, I was learning some things and did have my friends there. But still, I just was not at peace staying there. Mm. And so we did eventually leave, but but um, it was it was pretty rough. So yeah, I, I mean that's a whole different dynamic, you know, because you want to attend church together and you want to be on the same page. And um, knowing you guys both personally, I can I can totally understand why you would be the one who is first to say, okay, this is, this is bad. <laughs> um, and, and I could see how Dan would give a little more um, leeway with that. Just that's an endearing quality in people. And I think that's a, a good thing, but it can sometimes leave us in very difficult situations. You know, like you said, you use the term like being steeped in it. And I, I was thinking about that, like, you know, when you're s- steeping tea and like it's just getting more and more, you know, um, potent. It's becoming more and more of an issue. So, um, when you did finally begin to pull away or were questioning things, I guess, um, what was the response of the other church members? Well, um, we had uh, there was one guy that was usually the leader of our our group, and we had started having also a Friday night meeting where we would kind of bring up just different things and and talk about stuff about the Bible that we had questions about, which was great. It sounds and, very taboo for them. Oh, it was. <laughs> In fact, we we got a letter that we weren't allowed to do that. And mm. so two of the leaders of our group wrote a letter back to the church saying, well, we're a prayer group. We And I'm like, no, we're not. I mean, yeah, we pray, but yeah. no, we're more than a prayer group. They told them what they wanted to hear basically just but I was that really bothered me too but um there was one night that um this um one of the leaders had said uh he gave me and there was another lady who had been really hurt too more so than I had and she just felt really alone and her husband had left her and she had just been through a lot and would try to reach out to the church and basically was told, would just listen to more tapes or just read read more of your Bible. Well, you know, <laughs> she needed that fellowship. She needed more than that. And so anyway, he gave us the opportunity one night in our group and said, you know, some of some of us have been hurt. There are some of us here that, uh, you know, I think maybe need to talk about some things and share what happened to them. And so we both shared and we were very uh, respectful about it. We didn't call names. We did. We just basically told the facts about what happened to us and how we were hurt and how we felt. And it, But it was very, you know, like I said, respectful. But the others got really angry, and uh, the 
leader, the one who let us do this, kind of appealed to their military experience and said, you know, when you see a man out on the field, if a man's down, what do you do? Do you leave him there? No, you pick him up mm-hmm. and you take him with you. Like talking about us, we've been hurt. Mm-hmm. But um, they said they weren't going to listen to anyone bash the pastor and they walked out. And so that was that was pretty hurtful. Yeah. And um, but I, you know, I expected to just bawl my eyes out, and I was upset, and I was get, but I was more angry than anything. And uh, it was just very, it, it did hurt to have yeah. people like that that you thought should have your back walk out on you. I, I think that. Um I don't know. In in churches, it seems like sometimes if it's an unhealthy church that, you know, that term privacy of the priesthood, is Mm -hmm. that right? I think it's, um, I think it's a good way of keeping people quiet Mm -hmm. and keeping them from discussing concerns with other people. And not that I'm saying you need to gossip or that I'm saying that you need to share it with everybody, but like, um, I mean, I don't think that you know, expressing your concerns, especially in a forum that is set up for that, is inappropriate at all. But then they can. There's just sometimes the way with these with churches that are like hyper controlling to turn it around and say, "You're gossiping, you're bashing, you're doing whatever." But it's no. I'm. I want healing to happen. Like I don't. I think gossiping is meant to be malicious, and I don't think that sharing your grievance with the party is gossiping and but but that's how unhealthy churches will paint it. Right. So I think that's that makes it hard and then to have people not listen. And I mean this is a recurring thing I've heard heard from people is to not feel listened to is probably one of the hardest things. You don't feel validated. You you start to question what did I do wrong? What I must have done something wrong. I must be out of alignment with what God wants. Um, and that's just not the case. I mean, that's not, I'm not saying that's never the case, but I think that a lot of people unnecessarily question their experiences. And um, we as believers need to listen to the person and hear them out. Even if we think they're totally wrong, we need to, you know, give them that space. We need to look into it. We need to see, okay, where is this coming from? And is if any of this is true, we, we've got to remedy it. But, right. That's the loving thing to do. Yeah. Um, so uh, did, did this experience, going through this church, I mean, that was seven years you spent there. Did that change the way that you approached church after that? It did. And I, I had to pray— um, and pray and pray and pray that I, you know, God, please don't let what happened here and with this situation affect how I view you. Uh-huh. Because I know there are people that have bad experiences and then they, they, they place that on God and turn away from God altogether. I mean, I didn't think I would, but I thought I, I'm not going to think I'm immune to that. Uh-huh. So I prayed for him to protect me from that and and uh, to find a church that had all the good qualities, because there were some really good ones, um, but without the bad. And um, 
so it it was a while before we went to a church again, mm-hmm. and I was not very hopeful. And um, but then you know God graciously got us through that, and I just saw. You know, my my relationship with him grew stronger, but I was on the lookout for those things, and I think nothing like that is wasted with God, and he's, you know, he uses that yeah. uh, in our experiences. So. Well, now, currently, like, the, the church environment that you're involved in is is much more small group oriented, and I think that there's a lot of, a lot of good that can, you know, be said about that environment because— if you're meeting in people's houses, you don't have bills to pay. You don't you don't necessarily I mean you want people there, but if they stop coming, it's not nobody's in charge. It's not a blow to their ego and you share this leadership. It looks a lot more like what the early church looked like and I think that helped I mean I I'm maybe putting words in your mouth, but I'm assuming <laughs> based off of things that, you know, conversations we've had that that's brought a lot of healing and has been like a balm to some of those wounds that, you know, some of them you didn't even know you still had. Yeah, definitely. And just having them, you know, just having them hear us out. And then also we've got the great, so many people in that group, the small right. group that we have that are great teachers mm-hmm. and they're humble. Yeah. <laughs> the key word, humble. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just amazing. And it is, it is more like, the early church, and it's it's just been a huge blessing. Yeah. When you have a leadership that's humble, I think that makes a big difference because if you're humble, you're not going to allow people to elevate you to that role of being like a celebrity right. or being, you know, higher than anybody else, you know, with the ultimate doctrine. So I think humility goes a really, really long way. Yeah, and I think if you're humble, you're teachable. So. Yeah. Um, so what's helped you remain faithful in the hard times? Um, knowing that that God is, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. He, he will never steer me in the wrong direction. He always has my best interest at heart. He's faithful, trustworthy. Um, he's perfect and holy. And, yeah. you know, He's never going to let me go, never leave me or forsake me. So... And knowing that it just proves, too, that there is no perfect person apart from Christ, Mm -hmm. no perfect church with a little C, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's okay. It's It just makes me focus more on Christ and desire Him even more. So, because He'll never, He'll never, ever let me down. Yeah. If if you have folks around you that help point you toward Jesus, I think that that makes a huge difference because even if they do let you down, which, you know, people will, you know, given enough time and enough opportunities, they will. (laughs) I know I've let people down. Yeah, Yeah. but it's, um, you know, if we're putting our hope in Christ alone, then I think that, you know, we're less likely to be... um, yeah, hurt by the things that happen because we know that we're going to have those difficulties, but you know, Jesus has overcome those things and he is so much more powerful and his love is perfect where ours is imperfect. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, what helps you to feel compassion for those that 
um, have hurt you and those um, they've hurt you and the ones that you love? Um, well, Christ's love and forgiveness for me because I know I I hurt people and I needed need and needed forgiveness and uh, so just knowing that I was you know I was deceived by certain things for a while too um and I think that helped me be more compassionate towards others in that situation and you know my mom always told us that you never know what someone else has gone through or what they're going through and it might not excuse their behavior or make it acceptable Uh but you can certainly it might explain why they're doing what they're doing and help you have some compassion for them and for instance I know that pastor didn't have a good relationship with his dad and had some Right. turmoil in his upbringing now it doesn't excuse right. what he did or anything but uh, in some of the ways I think he led people astray but um and also the the people that um I was hurt by were actually friends and and I love them I know I've I've hurt people so yeah it's you know part of just forgiving and yeah mm-hmm that's that's really good. So, can you tell us about some self discovery that's been helpful in your life? Yeah, uh, I I tend to be a people pleaser and don't like confrontation, mm-hmm. but there are times when you have to speak up, and um, I learned to trust what I would call my instincts, but it's the Holy Spirit. I think not letting things rest. You're not at peace with something. Listen to that. Um, I would call them bad vibes or something, but I think it's the Holy Spirit. And then also just I gained a confidence in Christ that you can't get from anyone or anywhere else Mm -hmm. that I didn't. Because I'm I'm usually the type of person that will think, oh, it's my fault. What did I do? Or, oh, I'm sorry. And, And not a very confident person. But there's something you get through Christ that you can't get anywhere else. Mm. So um, I feel like there are often two extremes that Christian churches um, might exhibit. So this legalism and licentiousness. Um, How can we stay on this narrow road without falling into either one of those ditches? Well, uh, know the Word of God (laughs) and and rightly divide it and just... um, you know, don't and be prayerful. Be prayerful about things, and and be on the lookout for some of these signs of unsafe churches. Or doesn't necessarily have to fall in the total cult category or anything, but just to um, just to be on guard and and know the word of God. Study it for yourself. Yeah. Um, I think the churches. Um, where you can't ask questions, I think that's a big, a big red flag that I I hope that the people listening um, understand. If if you have concerns, I mean, we're told in the Bible to go, you know, to that person, right? We're supposed to go to them directly. If that's not welcomed, or there's like levels that you feel like you have to pass through before you can get to that person, mm-hmm. that's probably a sign that there are some. At least, at the very least, there's some um, heart issues with that person, and at you know more extreme end, there may be some serious shady stuff taking place that they're trying to protect. You know that 
You know, why can't we ask questions? Why? Jesus never turned away people that asked questions. He welcomed it, and he answered oftentimes in a way that they were not expecting. Like they tried to set traps for him and he came back with these words of of wisdom that like got to the heart of what they were trying to say. And when people were sincere in asking questions, he loved that. Like he he really was never turned away a sincere question. Um, I think those words of, of wisdom uh, a lot of times were directed toward the people who were trying to trap him in a question, but um, I think that's an important thing. If you're a part of a church where you can really go to the leadership and and be heard when you have a concern, or you can you know directly contact this person and and know that you're not going to be blacklisted after that, or or you know have other consequences, maybe more severe ones, mm-hmm. um, then I think that's a good that's a good sign to start with. Like if there's you know, that ability to um, to ask questions. Definitely. I think if you have a bunch of people who are just on the total same page, kind of like what we might call yes men, right. that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. If you don't have somebody to help, if there's no accountability, basically, that's red flag. Yeah. There's a uniformity in unhealthy churches. Yes. That is, it's not... Um, they they call they may call it unity, but it's more like uniformity. Like you're gonna or conformity. Conformity. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna come to this in line with this, and if you don't, then it's it's not a good fit. It's not you're not meant to be here. We might send you a letter in the mail to stop <laughs> doing what you're doing. Um, but there is no room for. Um, I mean, I, I would. I can't believe that meeting to discuss God's word would get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. Choosing to meet on a different day with a different group of people because, like, we do have freedom. <laughs> you know, we can meet with our friends when we want to. But, um, yeah, that's that's my little soapbox about that. I guess. <laughs> so, uh, Jenny, what advice would you give churches uh, regarding prevention or dealing with spiritual abuse? Um, Well, first of all, to remember our allegiance is to Christ, and He's the only one that's qualified or deserves to be on the pedestal or that throne to be worshipped, and that to remember that the church, Big C, is a group of redeemed people, the body of Christ. It's not a building or a particular denomination, and make sure that there are checks and balances in place. Uh, Leaders are held accountable. Uh and that they're humble, and you should be humble, and follow biblical guidelines for choosing leaders and elders, and um, follow guidelines for any church discipline. Uh, Beware of pastor-centered churches. That's that's just huge. And um, and then is the leader training or ordaining other people to maybe even take their place? Uh, do they ever let anyone else, you know, preach? And don't ever underestimate the sin nature and depravity of man or think that because someone's in a place of leadership that they're beyond reproach or right. that they'll be the exception mm-hmm. because you're you're setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up for hurt if you think that. Um, and also just to be self-aware because... Um, 
we tend to get emotionally attached. And especially if it is kind of your first church or where you really feel connected or or something, we, we tend to ignore those red flags because we see what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and if you have good friends there, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I related it to kind of like that first boyfriend that actually turns out to be a self-centered jerk. <laughs> you just kind of <laughs> have to, have to. not that I'm saying everyone's first boyfriend is or that mine was. But, yeah, Phil was my uh, first boyfriend. Okay, so what are you no. trying to say, Jenny? Uh, no, <laughs> Phil is not a self-centered jerk. We love Phil. Um and that uh, spiritual abusers, which is what I would call that, you know, I hadn't learned that term until recently, but that's what was how I would label what was going on at that church. Uh, they tend to appeal to pride you don't know you have. And um, so be self-aware about that. And, and because if you think you're kind of in this elite group, that's kind of, right. you know, alluring or whatever. And, and hear others out that have grievances, don't mm-hmm. write them off. Don't push them aside. Don't let others peer pressure you into something, right. um, or to, you know, just kind of making people an outcast. Don't dismiss them, and then pay attention to things. How does the pastor or leadership handle questions or disagreements? Mm, okay. um, that's huge. And pay attention to how they is. Are they using guilt? And fear and intimidation and manipulation right. to control members because those are bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus didn't didn't do that. Right. Um, and are you um, told that you're sinful if you associate with those people who left? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I would say be a Berean to right. to search the scriptures yourself. Don't take just this pastor's word for it because people tend to think oh, I better not even say one thing. They're a pastor, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, we should have respect for offices, but but like I said, just because somebody's, somebody's in that place doesn't mean they necessarily deserve to be there right. or have, uh, or are necessarily, you know, being a good leader just because they're right. in that position. They are not automatically given a pass. Yeah, no, that's really good. I'm, you brought up Judas earlier, so I was mm-hmm. just thinking about that. I mean, this is a guy who walked with Jesus and one of the elite group, I guess you would say, but he was, um, not that Jesus ever did that because it was more of a, where you're going to be the most humble group than you're, you guys are the very, very best or anything like that. But Jesus, uh, Judas walked with Jesus. And I, I would think... If Judas came to me, not knowing now what happened later, but if Judas that had walked with Jesus came and spoke to me something, I would probably put a lot of weight on that. But knowing that like the heart behind it was that there was there was wickedness there and that there was, you know, that wasn't necessarily, even though he had spent all this time, you know, there was um there was corruption in his heart. And um and we use this term spiritual abuse, and I realized I haven't really talked about that in this episode. But if you um, you're listening and you're curious about what this is, my previous episodes with Joy Meadows, I addressed this issue very in depth and understanding what it is. But basically, it's um, you know using the word of God to manipulate and control and um, 
using it as a weapon rather than a tool of instruction. But um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to recognize it because it does start out a lot of times subtle and um, it can look very different in a lot of different churches. And I've talked to, ever since airing the last episode, uh, I've heard lots of people come to me and say, I've experienced this in a different way, or um, I have um, had something and I didn't have the words for it until now. And this term spiritual abuse is, it keeps coming back up. And I mean, I, I could see how in the church that you came from with the very military mindset and a very overtly elitist kind of mentality that it'd be easier for me on the outside to say, oh, that's probably an unhealthy church. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of churches that look really healthy and look really normal and laid back and seem very, um, you know, approachable. But when you actually start to ask questions, it's um, the reaction to that that gives away a lot of what's in the heart of the leadership. And so... I, I think that the things you said, like um, about being like a Berean and like, you know, study your Bible, understand that and see if what they're teaching lines up with that. Um, I think a lot of times people are reluctant to approach pastors because, you know, I know personally, I don't have a theology degree. They do. They have these, you know, initials after some their name. <laughs> some of them do. I guess there are some that are just chosen by God and that's that's that. But there is this, they, they make you feel intimidated to approach them like they know so much more than you. But um, if they are humble, mm -hmm. they're not going to make you feel that way when you come with a question. If you're coming at them, attacking them, that's different than if I'm coming at you saying like, you taught this thing and I really don't understand how this lines up with what I've read in the Bible. But if you don't ever read your Bible, mm -hmm. you're not going to know. And so we do have to study um, the Bible and we have to study it for ourselves and not just listen to it through the filter of our pastor or even if it's a really well-known, you know, minister that speaks, like there's plenty of them that I really like. And I think that um, have a really good grasp of the scripture, but I can't, they are still human. And then I have to, you know, test that against what the Bible says. Is this, is this their opinion on things or is, is this an area that's black and white or is this a more gray area? And so I think it's important for us to study it ourselves. So um, I really appreciate you sharing all that, but I, I want to change gears a little bit. And um, what's something that you're not very good at, Jenny? <laughs> I was thinking, wow, there's a lot to choose from. Um, <laughs> The first thing, I guess, directions. Oh, you're not? I'm horrible at like directions. Like giving them or following oh, them or all of the all above? All of the above. <laughs> and if you say, you head north, east, southwest. No. Yeah, north is always above my head and <laughs> south is behind me, <laughs> below me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never been good at directions. I yeah. just, I could get lost in my own house, pretty much. <laughs> directions are challenging. I'm so thankful for you know, the GPS in our phones, even even oh, if yeah. the government's watching me, at least I can find where I'm going. <laughs> at least I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sacrifice I guess I'm making. Um, so what is something you are really good at that most people don't know about? Um, collecting antique food. <laughs> antique <laughs> food. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> antique food. Uh, you just hold on to it for a long it time. It expires. And then just and yeah, that. I'm just, my nephew, and so they tease me about that. Anyway, I don't like to waste <laughs> stuff. Not that I feed expired food to people, but I'll end up hanging on to stuff. Do you eat the expired food? I will, depending on what it is, yeah. Okay, so I let's will. see. You like, find a can of corn mm-hmm. that expired last year. Oh, probably so. That's yeah. usually like a best buy. <laughs> I'll smell it. Yeah. You know, but, but okay. I don't like to waste food, but uh <laughs> What about expired chunky milk? Do you, uh, do you, no. I would enough. draw okay. the line on <laughs> okay, that. Good. Yeah. I've eaten right. expired yogurt though. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. That's kinda gross. <laughs> <laughs> so um what's uh, one career that you wish you could have had? Um I put cage fighter. I'm just kidding. Uh, You're a lover, not a fighter, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I I do. Some people don't know. I do play classical guitar, but I haven't played in a long time. But I would. I didn't, I didn't put that, that up in number seventeen because it says you're really good at and I don't <laughs> say I'm really good at it uh I don't want to be a rock star wow but then to do that you have to like want to be in front of people too and I really don't yeah so, yeah okay <laughs> and I you have, have no to have idea. talent so yeah all right how did you learn to play classical guitar did you take lessons um, I did take lessons it's funny because well Julie and I both had uh friends that played guitar and mm-hmm. and were really good at it too played electric guitar and then so we thought well we'll learn that what's that kind of guitar where you play with your fingers because they're and we can't sing so were you uh there are no words oh yeah classical guitar <laughs> let's learn that <laughs> that's funny that so, you put that much thought into yeah. it oh yeah we don't want to sing yeah what can we, we can't sing we wish we could but yeah mm. <laughs> Um, so is there any other encouragement that you want to leave the people listening with? Um, kind of, I guess what I've said before, just that, um, thankfully we have Christ, our example, who's perfect and without sin. And he died on the cross for us and was resurrected, conquered sin and death, and he never leads us astray. So, uh, no matter what's going on around you or who's hurt you, he'll, he'll never hurt you you may suffer for his name but um he's the same yesterday today and forever and he's a constant yeah so um and any verses that you might want to share i know there were some that you had looked up before that were kind of applicable yeah the ones that i thought kind of went with this topic um when paul addresses the believers in corinth that first corinthians Corinthians 1, 12 to 13, uh, one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So, you know, just remember that when you're in your church setting and it's Christ. And if that pastor in that church, if they're not elevating Christ and pointing everyone to Christ, red flag. Um, and then also the what we talked about, Acts 17.11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So be like a Berean. <laughs> What a, what a great testimony to have about you, like that you 
the thing that you're noted for in the Bible is that you receive God's word with excitement and then you test what man says against it. And yeah, wouldn't but, that be great? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think we, we live in a culture where, you know, we want um, someone else to chew our food for it yes. and like to process <laughs> it so that we can just take it in and get like the bullet points. And mm-hmm. um, that's and, great. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's really dangerous. That's how we end up um, getting so far off scripturally and so far off, like from a you know even just a spiritual emotional health state. So, thank you so much for for sharing all that you did, and um, I really am glad that we got a chance to chat. And um, you know, I think you just have a lot of wisdom that we can we can learn because you are a very kind and trusting person, and. Um, but you're also kind of a skeptic, I think, in some ways. Hopefully, and a, a healthy, skeptic. a healthy skeptic. And I think that that's that's a good approach for us to take, at least you know initially. And so I think there's a lot that we can we can learn from your experience. And hopefully, people listening hear this and they um, begin to examine maybe the churches they've been attending, even if they've been there for years, um, and think that that's normal. If you were wondering if it's normal, these things that have been said, they're not normal. And that's not what should be taking place in a healthy church. And, um, and uh, yeah, so just thank you so much for sharing, Jenny. Aww, thanks, Steph. And thanks for being one of those people that always points me to Christ. Aww, so thank love you. you. <laughs> love you too. Man, I just love hearing about God bringing healing. It is my favorite thing to see Him working and making all things new. I want to encourage you that if you're in a church and you have concerns, don't hesitate to bring those concerns to leadership. You can gain a lot of insight about the spiritual health of a church and how they handle that. Do they blame shift? Do they minimize? Do they pretend to be concerned but do nothing? Does it seem like the pastor or the staff always is seen as blameless? These are all potential red flags to look out for. And none of these are how Jesus handled questions posed to him. I want each of you to experience the healing that only Christ can bring. Please take a moment right now. Think of a trying situation that you have been through where you have seen God do something amazing. God is faithful, so remember to stay faithful too.